0: Well, hey there. So, we are sitting right now at uh my kitchen table in the Harmon house. Um this is where we yesterday had our Thanksgiving meal, which I don't know if for you, the rest of you guys, for us it was it was weird, it was good. Um we had a great time. We did things maybe a little differently than usual, but you know, it was just us and the kids, some, um, you know, no extended family this time around and I know what a weird thing that's been for a lot of us but uh you know we still had a good time I hope you did too and even if you just put you know put it off to another time hey that makes that makes good sense too so but this is uh you can't see it right now but I'm sitting at the the end of my table where um for a couple of months of this weird covid experience this was my spot this is where I was studying this is where I was making phone calls this is where I was editing video and um, you know, getting ready for worship and, and all those kinds of things when we were locked down, looking out these windows and, you know, kind of enjoying the, the view as much as I could and answering homework questions and <laughs> all that kind of stuff. But this is the place, you know, this table is the place where our family meets. We try to have dinner, you know, dinner at least uh, every every night. I mean, sometimes it's uh, uh, lunches and stuff too, especially when we were locked down, but we Trying to make it a point, and if we can, every day of the week that we have at least dinner together, and um, you know, so it's been a workplace. It's it's the place we eat. It's where life happens, right? And that's probably no different than your home. The kitchen table is sort of that, um, you know, sort of gathering place. It's where big decisions get made. It's where you know big talks happen and problems get worked out. Um, our small group meets around this table. We'll we'll share a meal together either, every week. Um, when we have friends over you know for dinner we meet here um, our holiday meals all these things you know are all these things happen around this table and so you know as I was thinking about it this week um, you know it's it's again been a weird one um, COVID hit our, our our staff and people at the church uh, in a big way and so I kind of went well you know Chris is not feeling good and Everybody else is kind of out of commission, and uh, all I have is a little stuffy nose. So, um, you know what? Why not? I'll uh, I'll look at the word and, and see what we can talk about this week for for Thanksgiving as we're kind of wrapping it up. And um, the table is where I landed, and um, you know this has been such a significant place. I, I see so much of it in Scripture. So my idea was to um, just go to Scripture and look at the table, and specifically in the life of Jesus. And what's funny is I didn't get far before I realize is just what a prominent place the table played in the ministry of Jesus. I I never made it past the book of Luke. There's so many places that, um, you know, Jesus was meeting with someone around the table where, where important things happen, important conversations, important concepts. So um, what we're going to do this morning for just a little bit of time here is look at the book of Luke in several different spots and look at Jesus' interaction with people around the table, okay? So you can go ahead and um, move to the book of Luke uh, in chapter five is where we'll start. And we're going to do communion at the end of this time. So um, I'll give you a second here. If you need to go gather supplies, if you need to get your communion stuff ready, um, you can go do that now. And then, you know, we'll be we'll be ready by the time it's over. All right. So let me give you a second here. All right. So. We're in Luke chapter five first, all right? So uh, we'll just read starting in the 27th verse. It says, after this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. "'Follow me,' Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. Then Levi held a great banquet for Jesus at his house and a large crowd of tax collectors and others were eating with them. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples. Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Jesus answered them, "It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance." So the complaint, the complaint from the Pharisees was Jesus was lowering himself to the level of those that they deemed less than. You know, remember that the Pharisees prided themselves on their holiness, which isn't in and of itself a bad thing to to. Uh, to shoot for holiness and try to, you know, live the best life you can, but so it might seem kind of weird to us. But they viewed their works as the only thing that mattered, and they they um, held themselves to all these levels of purity that no one could possibly ever attain, and were hypocritical at the same time in their judgment of other people. Right? Um, they were trying to behave just right, but their heart was obviously dark towards people. So. Um, for them gathering around the table, if they invited you to their table, that was a, um, a sign of acceptance and, and some level of equality that they were um, deeming you to be on the same level with them. And they couldn't understand that why, if Jesus at, at least to them was a, a great teacher, they could recognize that. But at best they're trying to figure out if, if he is indeed the Messiah, why would he associate with sinful people that didn't compute in their economy? So and if he was so perfect, why was he hanging out with sinners? And so he tries to point out that that was the point. The people that, that were hurting, that, that were broken, that were sinful, that's why he came. He came to forgive sin and not even touching on the fact yet that of their own sin, right? So that's that, that first moment in, in Luke 5, Jesus gathered around the table, pointing out who he came to save. And then we go a little bit further ahead to Luke chapter seven and towards the end of the chapter in verse 36 it says, when one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him, he went to the Pharisees house and reclined at the table. A woman in that town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisees house. So she came there with an alabaster jar of So Many of you guys will remember this story. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. And then get this, when the Pharisees who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she's a sinner. So Jesus takes that moment hearing that to tell A little parable that sort of illustrates the point he's about to make when he turns towards the woman and says to to Simon, do you see this woman? I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You didn't put oil on my head, but she has poured perfume on my feet. Therefore I tell you, her many sins have been forgiven, as her great love has shown. But whoever has been forgiven little, loves little. So from from this Pharisee, more judgment, more looking down on those that Jesus was just naturally seeing and loving, right? The Pharisee questions Jesus for letting the woman touch him, but as he points out, she's coming in humility because of the forgiveness that she knows that Jesus offers, the Pharisee felt superior, but demonstrates just how little humility and how little gratitude he has. Still testing Jesus in so many ways. I feel like there's there's just this theme developing. Every time that Jesus meets with someone around a table, relationship forms. And that relationship just goes, seems to go contrary to the social norms of the time. And he seemed to, to, approach things with humility and love in a way that wasn't common in that time there's there's something there for us so we'll keep let's keep pushing ahead though you go to luke chapter 11 uh, again towards the end of the chapter and starting with verse 37 uh, when jesus had finished speaking a pharisee invited him to eat with him so he went and reclined at the table but the pharisee was surprised when he noticed that jesus did not first wash before the meal Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish, but inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people, did not the one who made the outside make the inside as well? But now as far as what is inside you, be generous to the poor and everything will be clean for you. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. I feel like in 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 this chapter, you know, was the, the the sort of quintessential uh, Thanksgiving message, and we could have talked about just being thankful. And I'm the worship, uh, you know, as the worship guy, that probably would have been, <laughs> that probably would have been the easier route. Let's just talk about being thankful. We'll sing some songs about being thankful, and we'll just call it a day. So of course God was like, this is a softball, so I don't want you to take the easy road. So he really was leaning on me with this table thing. I'm like, all right, Lord, I, I just hope it makes sense. So, but as I every time you you run across Jesus at the table with somebody, you run across another teachable moment. Um, the thing about thankfulness that I notice is that thankfulness in and of itself is 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 great and it's and it's something that we need to attain. It's just our gratitude, right? But thankfulness can be kind of passive, if we if we keep it at a level of just I want to I just want to say thank you I'm going to be grateful. If we make it a head thing, um, it doesn't it doesn't reach our heart. Then it's it's a little passive. Um, we need our lives changed by our gratitude. And what I mean by that is um, Second Corinthians chapter nine kind of paints a better picture of it and says. this service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but is also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. Because of the service by which you have proved yourself, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. So when we move from being just thankful for what we have or or, or what's going on in our lives to finding ways to express that in generosity and in serving and blessing others and providing for needs. Our thanks increases, but thanks overall increases as people recognize, and maybe you've seen this, if you've been in a position to serve someone or felt God really moving you to, to bless someone with something that, that in, them, in that way was also an answer to prayer for them, well, then they get the opportunity to be grateful. Um, they're grateful for God's provision that came through you. So overall Thanksgiving and worship is increased by us just being obedient to um, expressing that gratitude and letting it overflow into our generosity, right? And not just money, not just things, but in the way we serve others, the way we love others, the time we spend, the, all those things, our creativity, the attention, you know, meeting people where, where their need is, okay? So so we've been through a couple places in Luke already and... Um, Luke 14 is is our next stop. And, you know, this is where um, Jesus is, again, at a Pharisee's house. I mean, um, he kept getting the invite, which as I I think more about that, it just cracks me up that these guys were so suspicious. It felt like it was kind of a, you know, keep your friends close, keep your enemies closer, right? So they keep inviting him over and they're watching him. They're just watching him to see what mistakes he makes because they're pretty sure that he's just another false messiah. He's He's going so far contrary to what they think should happen the way they think the Messiah should come that they just want to prove him wrong. So, um, you know, as he's teaching these lessons of humility and serving others, they're still more concerned with their status and their appearance. And so we, you know, we come across this in in Luke 14 and picking it up in verse 15. When one of those at the table with him heard... uh, heard this, he said to Jesus, blessed is the one who will eat at the feast of the kingdom of God. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those um, who had been invited, come for everything is now ready. But they all like began to make excuses. The first one said, you know, I've bought a field and I must go and see it. Excuse me. Another said, "I've, I've bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. I tell you, not one of those who were invited will get a taste of my banquet. So kind of a rough uh, parable, a rough teaching, right? As these guys are uh, um, rejecting others and he's talking about this story of, of the master inviting people in. And it reminded me of um, a story, if you've ever heard um, uh, a pastor called Francis Chan, if you've ever heard him speak, um, he's one that they will just pretty well destroy me on a regular basis, but I remember one particular story I heard, gosh, it's been several years ago, where he was talking about, you know, he said, I'm just a guy who, you know, he said, I don't feel like I know everything about the Bible, but I read it and I just go, what if I just assume (laughs) that God wrote it down, that he meant it the way he said it, and I should just do it the way he said it, right? So he ran across this passage and they are preaching through this as a church and he reads this, a parable, you know, and goes, well, what if if we just took that literally? What if as a church, instead of doing another, you know, uh, banquet or another party or another sort of event for our church people, what if we took that whole budget and just threw a party for... Uh, homeless people, poor people, you know, the downtrodden in our community. And so he tells the story of they, you know, they went all out to throw kind of uh, what we would probably, if you've been here for Night to Shine, it was kind of that feel, right? Like a dance. And they, you know, went all out with the catering and they bought gifts for all the guests and they helped them find, you know, outfits. They wanted them dressed up and their hair done and, you know, got them all ready and just celebrated them and, you know, clapped them in and just threw this big, huge party and provided for every single need they could find to just love on these people because he went well what if what if Jesus was serious and what if the bible just means what it says and we just do it and man that hit me how many times i i read these things and go yeah the proper context is 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 huge and we you know we always want to make sure we understand what the bible means by what it says and not just cherry pick the verses we want but obviously there's moments like that in scripture that we could just look, have a, a good example from and just take that and run with it and so this is one of those where they just went you know what, it, what would it mean if we just threw this party and change some people's lives and i guarantee you and i know i know i got a little bit of it in that story but i guarantee you that lives were changed just as much if not more of the people who did the serving as it was the people who were served right it changes you to reach out and love one another, and love someone, and provide for needs in that way, right? And just to to do that, when we've done night to shine, when we've done those things, it always changes our people. It changes our perspective. It it gives us the practice of loving well. It grows us as disciples because we we love well, right? So that, that story just pops in my head as I you know as I read that that passage. I know COVID makes this hard. Um, it, it's not easy because we can't, like right now, for the next couple of weeks, we can't even be face to face. And we've been sort of saying hi and trying to love each other through f- masks for months. And I know how hard it is. Um, I'll be the first one to tell you I can't stand it. And my beard just gets all caught, and everybody's it's all going this way, and it's it's ridiculous. But In the midst of the season, um, there have been bright spots. You know, we can't meet the way we want to. We can't um, interact the way we want to and shake hands and hugs and do all those things. But look at something as simple as Giving Tree, which we wondered going into the season if that was even a good idea with the year that we've had. 2020 kicked a lot of our tails, to be perfectly honest, in a lot of ways. And we wondered what the impact of that would be. And while all the gifts are still, we're still in the process, my, my wife has been figuring out all these ways to do no contact pickups for gifts and stuff to get up. Because in the midst of this season, and you know, I know people have been out of work and I know people have been struggling. We went not just, oh man, what if we broke even, you know, what if we could do the same amount of tags we did last year and provide the same, we went beyond that. So I think, last count, I think we're at like 143 uh, giving tree tags that have been claimed. That's unbelievable. And this year, um, that's the stuff we're talking about. That's putting into practice these examples that Jesus is giving us as he meets around these tables, is to go love one another well, look out for the needs of others, put yourself... Lower the th- the thing in this Luke 14 passage. They're all fighting over who you know, who gets the the best spot at the table. And he he's the least worried about that. He's worried about the 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 those that aren't even invited to the table. Those at the the least spot. Take care of the least of these, right? So I know it's a weird year, and I know we've had a hard time. But the application for us, you know, having to stay six feet apart and having to not even have in-person services and we've, you know, illness has been in and among us and I know it's been hard is don't let COVID, don't let 2020 steal the heart in you. Don't let it steal the heart in you to love one another and serve one another well. We will find ways to do it, right? All right, all right. I'm gonna stop that where all this goes. So let's fast forward a little bit. Let's go to one more Meal with Jesus. Okay, and this one's his last one. So we go to Luke 22, and uh, in verse seven and through thirteen, Jesus has sent the guys to um, get the meal ready. He's told them all the things they can expect to find, and they find it just as he said. He's fulfilled all these prophecies just by the me- the place being ready and the-, the way they would find everything. So they're they're already amazed and they get to the the meal together. And it says in verse 14, when the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at the table and he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. After taking the cup, he gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you that I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you, do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way after the supper, he took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. But the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine on the table. The son of man will go as it has been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. And then they began to question among themselves which of them might, it might be who would do this. So the scene is set, and this is where we're going to end our time today. Um, Thinking of that moment where Jesus is gathered at the table with his disciples, setting up this idea of communion with them and asking them that every time they got together that they would take the bread and take the cup and remember what was going to happen. They didn't even fully understand yet. So as I said at the beginning, in just a minute, we're going to uh, take communion together. But I just want you to think about that for a minute. Jesus sat there with his disciples, his friends of over three years, knowing that he was betrayed, knowing that the the friend that did it was still still sitting there with him, and that he was never going to eat with him like that again never going to share that time with them again this side of heaven <clears throat> that's kind of sad <laughs> I gotta be honest no surprise for me right but how impressive his resolve this is how much we're loved we were on his mind even as he sat at that table you ever think about that I don't know whether he saw our individual faces and knew each one of our names But he knew that for someone like me, someone like you, as he sat at that table, he knew what he had to do because of you and for you. It's crazy to think about it, isn't it? That you were on his mind while he sat there at that table. So we're going to keep him on our mind while we sit at this table. The table is for anyone that follows Jesus. So we're going to sing. I love that the Matthew version of this passage says that as they finished and they finished the meal and they take in communion, it says they they sang a song together and then they left the place. So we're going to sing a song in just a moment. And at any point during the song, when you're ready, go ahead and take the bread, take the cup with thanks in your heart for what he did for you. And if you have not made up your mind about following Jesus, listen to the words of the song, please. If we need to talk, comment below, send us a message on the church page, call us um, however we can connect with you. We wanna do it. You know, any, any one of our staff, our elders, the folks that are gonna be monitoring the chat, all that stuff. We we want to talk with you and, and walk you through that. If you want to make that decision, man, there's a table set for each one of us. There's a place for us at that table. God wants us there. It is a, it is a table set for those who follow him, for those that love his son. So let's sing. Let's take communion.